Madden Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. The year is 3013. The galaxy is scintillating in the mellow light. Two galactic pilgrims seek out vistas in the samurai future to bring forth the unity of the cosmic shaman. Opening the door of the pantheon of mystics, the evil sorcerer wizard powers the engine of science, seeking to forever alter the sacred balance, traveling on effervescent balls of summer fire. This week, Small Soldiers. In the year 1998, everything else was just a toy. Oh, today we'll talk about the smallest soldiers of all. Actually, I don't know. <laughs> it just was rambling through my head as I woke up. That and a, and a okay. bangle song for some reason. I actually just, I literally just woke up from a dream about our guest we're going to have on Saturday. Yeah. I was guesting on his podcast, but I was trying to blag it without having read the comic. <laughs> <laughs> this this one's, uh, this one's almost uh, uh, along those lines where you were like, oh, you need to come in like the parent that was dragged off to see this movie. I, I think my age range puts me pretty much <laughs> almost there for this one, too. Uh, though I did note in America, it was actually rated PG-13 because um, they dose the parents with drugs. <laughs> and that caused a big controversy because Burger King was selling uh, or putting, you know, small soldier toys in their Happy Meals or whatever. So it was like controversial. <laughs> Didn't they have the same thing with one of the Batmans where it was like rated R, but Burger King was doing toys? Maybe one of the Nolan ones. I don't know. Oh, I, I thought it was one of the Burtons. Oh, when the Burtons were never, they were always PG-13 again. That little okay, so, yeah, intermediary, so. but it could have been the same thing. Hi, this is Matt. This is Luke. This is a sci-fi sanctuary. You're here in it. Stuck Today, in it. we're joined by the man I know who I think can basically recite this whole film from memory. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for, for once, it's me dragging in my old high school friends instead of Matt. It's it's Mus. How you doing? I am Mus. <laughs> yes, he is. Um, yeah, that, that was a fantastic 7 a.m. introduction. Yeah. <laughs> We're here. I really, do this. I really truly felt how early it was over there for you guys. <laughs> in that one. It, it probably didn't help that it's also like below freezing in our rooms when we wake up, unless Luke leaves yeah. his heat on. <laughs> no, I, have, I tried to wake up early and put it on in advance, but then that just makes me all dehydrated and even more groggy. <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't be bothered to get out of bed and turn the heater on for a while. So that, that's that, that, that's our world. Okay, uh, Small Soldiers, maybe I just saw it. It was the first time when it came out. I was, what, 18, and it wasn't quite on the uh, radar. <laughs> <laughs> what am I it's... mixing it up with? Army men or something? Where Arlie Army does the, the sergeant or something? And CGI about the same time, I think. There was a bunch of video games around the same time with the Army men. Yeah, okay. And I always, for some reason, mix it up with Beast Wars. I think just because the PlayStation games are very similar. 
Mm. Okay. <laughs> and anyway, I feel like there was I it it does have not quite a movie clone because I guess they don't look like army men or something. It's just the uh the general the general idea. So I, I when you even when you uh suggested like and a also ago, like Toy Story. That has the army men. That's right. Oh, is that where army okay? That might be where I'm crossing my wires and come to think yeah. of it. I, did they not get their own movie at some point? I, I, I it must be my my Shazam or something. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there was like a pure army men movie because I'd have been all over that shit. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. Is it Shazam? Wait, what is what is the fake Sinbad one? The one Sinbad didn't make. Okay, Shazam. Just making sure because now we have the superhero Shazam and it all gets confusing. Um. Anyway, yeah. Just saw it. Had it confused. Didn't even know what movie this was till I watched it. So. But you actually turn. you said to me you thought it was an animated film. Yeah, I thought it was fully animated. <laughs> yeah, I went and saw this film on release in the cinema with my dad. Now, I could never, because I saw this and I saw Batman and Robin. And one of them was because my mum was on a business trip to America. So me and my dad went to see a film. And the other one was because my mum was giving birth to my brother. And me and my dad went and saw a film. I don't think, like, literally during the labour, I think in the days afterwards, I don't think. I think my dad was like, oh, fuck it, I'm not staying for that. I'm going to go watch a film about soldiers. <laughs> Small ones. But yeah, it was one of these two films was, they were the two films I went and saw with my dad because my mum was, for whatever reason, not there and my dad didn't know what else to do with me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I was like a big action figures kid, so I fucking loved this film. Did you get the action figures? I definitely had an Archer. I remember that much. I have uh, Insaniac, although not with me here. But he was the uh, the blue spinning Gorgonite that uh, talks really fast in the film. So I had him. I remember it seeing really it in, good figurine. in the Argos catalogue in the run-up to the film. And before the film came out, I didn't know that actually the Gorgonites were the good guys and the soldiers were the baddies. Mm-hmm. And I was like... <laughs> Why have they only got one of the soldiers for sale, but all these monsters? I want to have the whole team of commandos. I, I sort of assume that. Like you are like, oh, we have the Gorgonites. I was like, gee, it just feels like maybe because they look slightly more human, although with, you know, horrific Joker grins and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, once you watch the film, like, yeah, obviously you're meant to have the Gorgonites. They're the local mm-hmm. characters and the commandos are just generic. Soldiery men, but yeah, I would have, I would have loved to have had the full set of both, but obviously, I don't think they were cheap. Mm-mm. Although there were a load of uh, Burger King and like McDonald's toys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's how a lot of Americans of our age, who were like the right age, the kids' age, to watch the film when it came out, a lot of them will remember the Burger King ads, or so I'm told, that came with small soldiers. I'm not uh-huh. sure that was such a big thing over here, but mm-hmm. I definitely. See, my, my memory of this film was a bit skewed because I watched it so much on VHS that I just, <laughs> as, a, as a kid, uh, I didn't get too many films, but this was one I watched like over and over again. So that's kind of where all my memories from it come from. Unless the action figure stuff, I wasn't allowed too many. But it's like, it was a fun film for me because like my uh, mum would be very insistent that I couldn't have any toys or things that involved guns. Oh. And this film doesn't so much, well, I mean, it's got, gun-like stuff in it <laughs> right it's the edgy toy story or that's what you'd think from the uh you know from the marketing and stuff mm. so yeah i haven't 
because me and Mus met when we were like 14, 15. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really know each other as little kids. So you weren't like a, an action figure kid. Uh, I mean, I had a few, but not not especially, no. Okay. See, because, yeah, I, I was all about that. <laughs> that was most... Because I did, I played a little bit of, like, football and a bit of rugby, but wasn't really a sporty guy. And my parents would only let me play video games for, like, an hour a day. So I was just mm. always in, like, an imaginary world with my figures. And I remember thinking, like, I can't wait till I'm an adult and I can just play with action figures all day and no one will tell me not to. I'm just going to have a room in my house that's just like a diorama to play with my action figures. Somewhere along the way, it just yeah. stops being fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's really depressing. <laughs> I'd, love it. I'd love it if I could still entertain myself for a whole day just with some toys. When's the last time you tried? You got the diorama, right? Um, but when, I, when we were like... I guess I was like 18... We bought a job lot of G.I. Joe's off eBay. And we were going to do that. I and mean, then we never got around to it. Although I did make some stop motion Shakespeare plays with them. <laughs> well, that makes and it then worth it. a few years later, I do remember getting like a big batch of little plastic Daleks free with a comic book. and playing with them in the bath. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was like 21 at that point. <laughs> Thanks for sharing, mate. <laughs> I, this um, one is, I, I noticed, because I also it just didn't quite cross my radar. It's directed by uh, Joe Dante, who we covered a bit of in the Twilight Zone movie a few months ago. Uh, and he, you, you mentioned kind of this is like the, the, the raw-ass Toy Story, right? Mm. Um, but it's kind of like halfway between that and Joe Dante's uh, Gremlins to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. It's definitely got the uh, the... The mischief vibe. Gremlins being a little more hardcore and goopy about it, of course. Maybe that's the 80s. I don't know. Yeah, this... From what I understand, uh, the film ha- was originally going to be more of a aimed at teenagers before the whole let's make sure we can market this stuff at kids was part of the backstory to it, which is why I think this film is such a, a mishmash between some pretty messed up stuff (laughs) that happens at times and also being sold as a commodified kids product you know i think maybe that's why i loved it so much as a kid because i didn't feel like it was speaking down to me Mm -hmm. um because yeah that's a joe dante wouldn't make a film that was like kiddie and twee and it wasn't until me and matt did the twilight zone episode that I realized that this same guy had directed so many films I like. Another shout out to the Burbs when uh, definitely he's got his vibe, you know. So <laughs> um, the Burbs being the one I find is most overlooked most of the time because uh, it's it's not even on his IMDb known for. Yeah, that's sad. That's sad because that might be his <laughs> best movie. <laughs> um, I guess I'll go ahead and do the story for this movie. Gauge. I have watched from the space above the blue sphere I've grown to love, but I've seen explosions. 
In an attempt to corner the toy market, Globotech enlists what is basically a Mr. Show sketch to develop toys that play back using advanced military technology. Derpy teen Alan Abernathy unleashes these toys upon the public a bit early while he's taking charge of his dad's in-town failing toy emporium. Alan befriends the alien Gorgonites, doomed to fail in their dealings with the war corps commando elite, a force of full testosterone AI soldiers primed to destroy the Gorgonites. All the Gorgonites want to do is hide, while in the meantime, the commando elite takes families hostage and drugs them and stuff. While the first assault ends with most of the commando elite destroyed, leader Chip Hazard finds another shipment of toys and reinforces his battalion. Meanwhile, the Allen Gorgonite end of the spectrum works out a plan to shut off the elite with an EMP blast. The Gorgonites escape unscathed, having shielded themselves from under a satellite dish. I feel like I probably missed something there. So it's a one viewing summary. Yeah. <laughs> no, the well, wacky I'm... thing I always forget is the Gorgonites only actually do anything for like two minutes of the film. Yeah, they're busy hiding. They're, their whole thing is we don't do things. We just wait to be. You yeah, know... I, that's like if we're going to try and get into like an actual interesting thing about this film, like the idea that they've been programmed to lose. Yeah, yeah, like that's their existence, and they know it. You know, that's it's kind of it's very um uh not yeah Kafka esque, I guess. (laughs) But you know, there is something to talk about there. But first, I guess we should get some more wacky shit out of the way. Yeah, there's lots of actors. Depressingly, it is Phil Hartman's last movie, Mm -hmm. which came out after he was shot by his wife. That sounds horrible. Yeah, but. I almost made a very poor taste joke there. Okay. I know you did, mate. (laughs) I I was just thinking, like, if he's (laughs) obviously, I'm sure the actor is not like the characters he plays. (laughs) But if I was married to any of his characters from films, I would shoot him. Yeah, yeah, good point. I I assume, yeah, I assume that's not the case. But um, (laughs) who else is here? Um, We got. I don't know. Should we go to the voices? Tommy Lee Jones is, is what sticks out in the end, I guess. Tommy Lee Jones is great in this. It's it's I I could imagine they didn't even give him the full script. They just gave him, please read out all of these sound bites that don't make sense together. <laughs> I, I love when he's giving his speech, and it's just a series of non sequiturs taken from other famous military speeches <laughs> that don't quite add up to making any sense. <laughs> Sound and fury. It's it's uh, it's all fun. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I did find it highly amusing that they sort of canned all the voices of the toys, just a little bit. Yeah, because they're meant to be coming out of a toy, right? So yeah, I know, but but I have I hadn't really seen a, a movie bother with that before. Uh, the toy the Story th- doesn't do it. Toy Story does it when they're playing one of their quotes. Oh right, like someone. But when those, yeah, so. when he pulls the string, it sounds like that. But when he's talking, it doesn't. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, that, this is them always doing the string shit. 
Yeah. So, yeah, I just, you know, thought that was, I don't recall seeing that in, in another movie. So, oh, shit. You know who does Insaniac's voice, Mutz? Who's that? Saul Goodman's brother from um, Breaking <laughs> Bad, Michael McKean. Nice. He's also uh, the guy who sells, um, who tries to sell all the little toys of Johnny Five in Short Circuit 2. And he's a member of Spinal Tap. <laughs> he's, he's in all the weirdest shit. Insaniac seems like a good Spinal Tap um, friendly concept. That'd be a good, yeah, a good 80s metal song. Insaniac. Yeah, it could work quite well. Um, I didn't catch him though, so yeah. <laughs> Frank Langello is in there as um, Archer, but he's he's not doing anything too fun. It's quite a dry performance. Yeah, I actually had to I had to find the photo of him to attach to the name. I mean, I know the name. I was like, who is he exactly? Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, he's, he's a, just a character actor, right? He's got a. He was Skeletor in Master of the Universe, I think, though, right? The movie version, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you, you might be right because um, when I saw it, I thought Skeletor, but I was thinking of the cartoon. I'm like, that guy can that can be right? That's uh, that's um, that's Cobra Commander guy, right? So mm. <laughs> that that was a fun story I heard about that guy's son. Uh, what what was the voice actor's name that did Cobra Commander and stuff? Do you remember? Not right off my head. I should have okay. because he's also Starscream. You're right, exactly. So he. <laughs> His kid would go to school and be like, my dad's this and this. And then he'd be like, shut up, you're an idiot, right? And then eventually when the, when the dad was at school, he was like, yeah, 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 I'm Cobra Commander. So he was he was uh, justified in his in his horrible ramblings. I think he was dead before I was going to Transformers conventions. But I did meet um, the original Optimus Prime. And it turns out he's also Eeyore. Oh, okay. That's a weird mix. Uh, yeah, hearing him do both of those voices is really weird. <laughs> <laughs> he can have a conversation with himself as soup. Okay. Um, See, the two roles I remember from this as a kid, obviously, is Kirsten Dunst. Right. Yeah, went on to be a big part of my mm. childhood growing up. Right. Um, <laughs> and then Gregory Smith, who is the cut-rate John Connor they've got as the leading man. <laughs> And um, I looked up his info, and apparently later, like relatively recently, he's been the lead of a TV show. But yeah, it was kind of like he stands out because so many people, there's so many recognizable faces here. And the age seems weird. Like he seems like he's a good 10 years younger than Kristen Dunst for some reason. Which I, that's because we're freaking. so used to teenagers not being played by people who look like teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, yeah, this, they probably, he probably is the same age as Kirsten Dunst. And yeah, in real life, boys and girls do develop differently, right? No, that's what I was thinking. Like in real life, like they probably are the same. So, because uh, this is about the time Kristen Dunst did Dick. So she was born in 82. Gregory Smith was born in 83. Mm-hmm. So yeah, about the same. Okay. But yeah, we're so used all. to seeing like, they'd have basically had a 30-year-old playing a high schooler who was meant to get off with her. So. <laughs> I guess the only other issue with him is he's just he's just kind of here, right? Yeah, he's very well. They tried to give him like he's got this bad boy history, and his <laughs> parents don't trust him and stuff. But he just comes across as such a wet blanket; it doesn't work at all. 
Right, as I put in my uh, write-up, derpy teen, Alan Abernathy, yeah. <laughs> but he's got the floppy hair and the checkered shirt. He's like the most 90s teen protagonist I've ever seen. And his dad is, the dad is the same dad from Transformers. Right. And then, yeah, when the movie starts with uh, David Cross and Jay Moore, I'm like, what are we doing, Mr. Show here? So, <laughs> it, and I think, no, it's Global Chem. Globo Chem, I think, is the company in Mr. Show. Because it's like, it's, all, it's the same company, but maybe a little different. Yeah, Globotech is a total, just like this era of movies. Here's the evil corporation, corporation. Like, What, what do you name the evil corporation now? Uh, now you have to try and make it like an Apple proxy. Incendium. Yeah, something like that. It has to okay. sound all fancy. But mm. because of this film, I always grew up thinking David Cross and Robert Picardo were the same person. Oh, yeah. This movie really threw me off when they're in the same scenes. Mm. I was like, what's <laughs> happening? They're, they're, I know both of these people, but they're, they're, I can't tell them apart. <laughs> <laughs> but this is my first exposure to both. Okay. Then, yeah. I would see them both and just, yeah, didn't go to be two different people. <laughs> Even oh, yeah. though in this film, they're in like the same <laughs> scenes together. Literally in the same scene. Yeah. But, yeah. But, you know, child brain does weird things. I don't think I did have this on VHS like that. I saw it in the theater and then saw it multiple times, like on Channel 5. But I couldn't just watch it over and over on demand. So it had like weird <laughs> mythic status in my head. Ooh. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what my uh, overviewed kid films were. Probably Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Ghostbusters, oh, Back to the Future, of course. Man, I, I, nothing interesting's in there. Sorry. Sorry, mine were all not kids' films. It was Terminator, Terminator 2, Commando, and Predator. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably another that. reason I love this as a kid is because he kind of looks like a Terminator at the end. Mm, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, a little bit of that. And then you mentioned that I, I didn't really pick up on the cut rate John Carter thing, John Carter, um, John Connor thing. But now yeah. that you mentioned it, it's like, yeah, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> he so even rides the, on the back of a motorbike. So this kid is a, basically <laughs> supposed to be like a Jesus metaphor. He is Jesus to the Gormanites, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Every, everyone He's the keeper is keeper of Carter. <laughs> Everyone I believe is you'll find to somebody. <laughs> but yeah, obviously, no one gives a shit about all these human characters. Yeah, why are we talking about them? Okay, back back to the <laughs> back to the monster monsters. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah, you want you want to go straight to the monsters? We we skip the the titular soldiers. I mean, we could spend a little time on the commandos because they are fucking hilarious. Yeah. Just this constant stream of really cheesy like war movie parodies is mm -hmm. that their entire language it's just lines they've picked up from war movies well lines have been programmed in them from war movies which, yeah, yeah yeah exactly that's like what the military is like man they just program you to say these certain things well they even have a bit where he's like saying he's gonna get um Kirsten Dunst deprogrammed and then the, one of the monsters yeah. is like you can't undo programming <laughs> <laughs> they're like they're like philosophical packlids from star trek or something i did get a bit of a packlid vibe from them yeah <laughs> oh so we were gonna uh, i so think they're i think they're all right those commandos they had it they had it hard they were programmed to think that they could just uh conquer and win against these gorgonites right so they've got this 
idea built into them that war is just something that is a bit of a game that they will win, that they can just march across and manifest destiny, everything in their sight, right? And mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> that's the that's one of the fun things I think about this film is that you can actually look at it as a critique of the military industrial complex and the commodification of war. Because uh, there's loads of little moments in the film, like where, um, what's it, the neighbor, he says, uh, World War II is my favorite movie. I love that. No, yeah, no, he says, well, <laughs> right? I think World War II was my favorite war. <laughs> yeah, and the, and the film opens with uh, Globotech, right, just basically saying, oh, look, we did all this military stuff, but now we really want to do toys. <laughs> and it's like this commercialization of something that's actually really terrible mm -hmm. and horrifying, which is war. But in the medium of a kid's film, right, it's still got that kid-like mythic ethos around the idea that war is just a thing that you do and you have a win and it's fine, right? And yeah. that's kind of where the commandos sit for me on this mm. kind of ideological spectrum. They allow you to, to see that childlike interpretation of war, or if, if not childlike, then maybe a a throwback to older <laughs> American not so successful conquests of uh, or defenses of Vietnam where you know it didn't go so well <laughs> but the idea was that you could hold and capture or change the minds of and subsume to your will the <laughs> the people whereas the uh, the Gorgonites are much more if you want to take that kind of I don't know. They're much more children of the Enlightenment, right? They are programmed to learn, right? Mm. So it's not just that they know they're going to lose. They're also there's like moments in the film where, sorry, I'm I'm rambling a bit now. It's fine. <laughs> Feel free to cut me podcast, off. Don't worry. But there's there's moments in the film, right, where they reflect on the fact that they are designed to learn, and I think it's that knowledge of failure that probably drives them a little bit to overcome their limits in a mm. more we can solve problems if we just <laughs> think, take some time to think about them a little bit. I know they only come into the film like right at the end and do something right at the end, but there is a big build up, which is all this journey of like, you know, Archer saying, what's wind, mate? And uh, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, well, I Sorry, think I rambled um, a bit. <laughs> you know, Master Yoda did say failure is the best teacher, and the commandos don't have that in them, they can't really improve. I think this is another one of those films which is really interesting that it was made pre 9 11. Mm -hmm. I feel like for 10 years after 9 11, you couldn't make this film, it was not acceptable to criticize the military for that period. And you could maybe make, make it again now, but now it would have to be video games. I feel like we were pretty it, raw on the military, but not in like a children's film. Oh, right, yeah, okay, and, and it, would, <laughs> yeah. It, would, it would have to be like you know. You got to support the troops, right? Maybe right. you could criticize the military-industrial complex, but you couldn't parody mm. the troops in that. Because apparently, there actually was a remake of this in the works. It got scuttled after really? a Disney buyout or something. <laughs> okay. Uh, 
It's going to be like the, Disney. <laughs> yeah, the toy, the toy factory itself goes amok or something, right? Okay. And, and it it wasn't clear it was going to be a remake, but apparently once once it was scuttled and you know the papers whatever yeah. it was, oh, it actually was going to be a Small Soldiers remake. So okay. So so it was on someone's mind at least. <laughs> but yeah, the I because these days like military business being commodified for kids sold to them it's just it's call of duty and fortnite and like microsoft buying out every entertainment company under the sun so that people will look the other way when they you know build drones to blow children up like but then and there's a part of the towards the beginning of the movie where the ceo of globotech he says uh we'll, we won't call it violence we'll sell this as action because kids mm. love action uh, right but it's like you know it's kind of it's exactly what you're saying, right? It's the commodification yeah. of violence, but wrapped up in a children's toy <laughs> and yeah. ideas of war and violence and stuff, but socially acceptable because it's in a children's toy. Except, you know, these toys are a little bit violent, <laughs> like actually violent. But it seems it was the drugging that was the, the real problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's chemical warfare in a children's movie. Where else? I've never seen that somewhere before. <laughs> haven't heard the phrase chemical warfare just uttered <laughs> out of the blue by Tommy Lee Jones in a children's film before. <laughs> that was great. Tommy. See, Tommy can't accept he's in a children's film, right? Mm-hmm. He's just going to do what he is. He can't, con- what is it? I cannot, it's not condone. I cannot sanction your tomfoolery. That's the one. Oh, right, right, right. The famous Tommy Lee Jones line to Jim Carrey. um so we got the gorgonites blah 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 the fun thing about the gorgonites is like like i do think that is actually how society gets away with a lot of shit is just convincing people they can't win like there's this whole thing these days of like like violence is exclusively acceptable by the state and we can only do peaceful protest. And as soon as you do the slightest bit of aggression in your protest, even if you're protesting being shot and killed in the streets, like, you know, you're in the wrong suddenly. Like the idea that you cannot fight back against the state, you can't win and it's not acceptable, is something that's been programmed into society. Um, admittedly, not quite to the same extent it has to the Gorgonites. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> that, is, that is a real thing that you know systems of power use um and here it's like i noticed archer is very clearly meant to look like a native american yeah that kind of came through a little bit and then what he's saying is similar to things you'd hear from like uh chief seattle and stuff Mm. not the stuff about like we're losers but (laughs) (laughs) the more philosophical stuff he says yeah (laughs) Yeah, I guess, like, what else was coming out around 98 where it's just, like, the U.S. military is just purely the bad guys in it? Hmm. Dances with Wolves would have been a few years before this. Hmm. They don't make the military look so great in there. Uh, Three Kings was about this time. No, Three Kings was a bit later, wasn't it? Because I feel like that's about the second Gulf War. No, no, it was about the first one, I believe. Okay. I yeah, guess yeah. it's just yet yeah, because it came out and then everything happened. It came out close. It came out yeah. very close to the second one, so it's easy to associate. But yeah, that one's oh, weird. 
didn't have a whole lot of good to say for the military. <laughs> yeah, actually, actually, I guess now I think about it, around that period, there wasn't much stuff being made for kids that made the military look good. Like we didn't have a GI Joe or anything around then, and like the big heroes in the nineties were like the X Men who were fighting against the system. So yeah, okay. maybe I, I think this was the height of because now it's like the MCU. A lot of them kind of work for the military. Transformers, they kind of work with the military. Like post 9-11, we get less of this fight against the system stuff. They have their fallouts a lot though, right? It's like you work in the system and then you find out that the system's screwed, man. Well, yeah, it's like the entire Daniel Craig series of Bond films. Every single film, it's like, well, now he's working against the government. <laughs> it stopped being interesting when they did it for the fifth time in a row. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every single Daniel Craig film, he's just come back out of retirement and then he's breaking the rules. <laughs> well, he's got to show them young pups how to do it, right? Yeah, but when he's doing that from his second film, maybe hire a younger actor. <laughs> it's like the origin and then the second film is now he's too old. He's still a lot younger than Roger Moore. <laughs> <laughs> Who actually apparently said, gee, I think you should be pairing Bond up with some older women because I'm yeah. like 65 now. I've got a lot of time for Roger Moore when he one of the films he turns up on set and the love interest is like 40 years younger than him and he's just like I'm not doing that. <laughs> Fair so, play. Right, right. But Roger Moore's not in this movie which is, which is his main failing I suppose. I wish he was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, where so how are are the are the Gorgonites proper monsters? I guess I I wrote aliens in my uh in my write up. I mean, they're always calling them like mutant freaks and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> what I mean, that? like it's they're like they are right. I don't know if they're from Earth as such, but they're some sort of monster slash alien. Uh, and they're, they're like conceived as like a learning aid for kids, which is crazy when you think about it, because Insaniac is literally this twisted Joker figure. One of them is just an eye <laughs> that walks around. <laughs> uh, but like, yeah, the idea is that they'd, I suppose the idea is quite a, a nice one behind them, which is that there'd be this kind of language barrier between some of the Gorgonites and the kid who is meant to be learning along with them, that the kid is going to have to work with the Gorgonite, I suppose, in some way to overcome. And so it's a kind of, I don't know, that's where I sort of think more of them as being an idea of the Enlightenment that you can if you work at it and think and overcome some sort of language impasse, even if your toy is literally just a single blinking eye or a strange <laughs> strange spinning man this is thinking about it far more deeply probably than anyone has ever <laughs> but the, um, thought of small soldiers before but i think it, that's like that's the basis for them right it's a clear case of the monsters were designed for this film mm -hmm. not for that backstory so they make yeah. they don't actually most of their designs make sense as educational coming to earth to learn guys they make sense as monsters that fight the commandos but at the start yeah. of the film he's got the pictures of them and they're meant to be these peaceful gorgonites but it's still the same characters mm -hmm. but yeah they um they've just got some really interesting designs like archer's you know pretty normal but he's kind of cute um 
Sure. Yeah, it's Saniac, like you say, is kind of like this weird Joker figure. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I can't remember the name, but the one where it's like the battering ram one, and he's got the little guy on his head. Yeah, that's Punch It, the rhino typed one, and Scratch It, the little nibbly fella that <laughs> jumps yep. off his head. Yeah, they they're great. Um, yeah. There's a monster in like a couple of the Star Wars films who looks a bit like him. Then there's the one who's just got a big boulder for a hand. Isn't he called like Boldor? Slam fist. Slam fist. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I knew Mass was the guy for this. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying yeah. I, I, I didn't, I didn't get like names. You, you I, needed that kid so, in the cinema you had for Transformers. I mean, the yes. other thing to to go along with my backstory of this is that obviously this film launched alongside like the fast food stuff, but it also had like the toys and the video game. And so mm. I had the small soldiers video game, which is where I learned about all these other characters. And in that game, you play as Archer, but you can on various levels, summon different Gorgonites. And that's, and he says their names. So <laughs> it's right. like pretty ingrained in me from that. The game, it's not, you're not playing as action figures, right? It's set in their fictional world. It's set in a really bizarre. So it is. It isn't Earth. It's like some bizarre world, some Gorgonite world, and there are a load of characters that aren't in the movie uh, okay. just to make it work for the game. Like these weird. Uh, it was like you know, it's one of those games. It's a bit like a kid's version of Doom in some sense, right? Where you have to go around, get a key to open a new door, mm. then go get a key, backtrack a little bit, open a new door, and the things that would let you open the doors were these weird aliens that only had like an upper body and then like an earthworm gin style head that would just uh, sort of sway around like this and say really weird things. So it was like, it was nothing like the, the movies and the commandos just happened to be in there shooting at you sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. Cause I, I never owned the small soldiers game, but I used to play it at Aaron's house a bit. So I mostly just played the multiplayer. So it was just, yeah, Gorgonite that was like a one-on-one death match, but there was like a, a campaign to it in the single player. Uh, and there's like, it's just one of those like childhood memories where there's certain sounds that I really remember from that game. Like when you mm. completed a level, the game would go, the ancients are pleased. And if you didn't <laughs> complete it, they would say the ancients are displeased. <laughs> I like to think uh, they used the uh, same recording and just add that the ancients are displeased. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they probably did. <laughs> but yeah, uh, my friend, I used to play at Aaron's house. And uh, I guess the message of the film hit him in the wrong way because he did join the army. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but he was like, he was the one kid all the way through school we knew was going to join the army. He was obsessed with it. Here, here's a little tie and they um start doing the when Johnny comes marching home, Dr. Strangelove sort of a uh, reference, mm. which plays through half of that movie. So oh, yeah, just, the whole film is just full of references to old war movies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, usually it's, it's the more like, you know, the kind of cliched one. So I was just mm. oh, there's a Dr. Strangelove, which is a different. It's also flavor. got a lot of um, cute little sci fi movie references. A lot of the. When the commandos are doing weird science fictiony things, it plays a little War of the Worlds sound effects. Oh yeah, okay. When I, they're I, converting all the what they called Gwendy dolls, yes. um, it's playing the sound effect from like the little green beams they do in War of the Worlds. And when he's got his disc, it's doing the um, the eye sound effect from War of the Worlds as well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's I, a real. Uh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> 
Oh, I was just spitting out words. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I was just going to say, yeah, there's a real, like, weird pastiche quality to this film of just a load of stuff that's just crammed in there because you've also got a number of scenes that are basically Toy Story but far more violent. Mm. There's a scene where um, Alan is cycling home and he's got Archer uh, in his backpack after his dad kicks him out of the store for... Uh, being a bad kid, I guess. Mm. And uh, the Commando Elite fire brick bazooka at the uh, one of the toys at Archer at the uh, at the bike, and he he kind of lassoes his way onto it, and then he's being chased by a dog. Now that dog could very easily have been Spike from Toy Story One, and the scene where you know the pivotal kind of climactic scene of that movie where the, the toys are trying to get back on the removal mm. van. So you've got the dog chasing. And it's just instead of an RC car that's kind of powering the toys that are also trying to escape this dog, there's Alan on his bike. There's also a scene where one of the toys, I think it's Archer, gets into the house by attaching himself to like a rocket and then parachuting, parachuting in down, a, little, yeah. a little bit like how Buzz eventually does kind of glide at the end of Toy Story 1. So there's a couple of like Toy Story-like riffs <laughs> thrown into this movie alongside all these other things like weird just crazy music choices like the spice girls <laughs> being played out <laughs> and all these other just like psychological warfare. being used as psychological warfare which is quite interesting because you would imagine that this movie would be marketed predominantly at boys and mm. so to literally use these spice girls as psychological warfare <laughs> is possibly something that resonated quite well with uh you know child me who grew yeah. up with a sister that liked the Spice Girls, <laughs> right? You but there's are, just, yeah, there's... You're sorry, basically explaining Joe Dante, director Joe Dante's uh, complete <laughs> vibe there, by the way. <laughs> That's yeah. Uh, yeah. Just a load of pastiche type stuff. Just, is that what you, what you mean? Sub or subversive. a hatred of the Spice Girls. <laughs> a sub subversive pastiche. <laughs> yeah. And everything, but you know, including the kitchen sink thrown in, that sort of thing. Um, mm -hmm. In my head, I think of this and Toy Story as coming out basically the same time. But that's not the case, is it? There was like mm. five years between them, I think. More like two, but yeah, some, a couple. Of, yeah, I think Toy Story is 95 and this is 97? 98? 98. So yeah, that's okay. 98, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, I have my yeah, Toy Story. Toy Story is always earlier than I remember it being. And this is always a bit later than I remember it being. So, I yeah. think that's because mm -hmm. when two came out, everyone kind of just like retrofitted that date for Toy Story in general. You mm -hmm. think 99 mm -hmm. for Toy Story, but that's that's the sequel. Um, just going back to that scene with Brick Bazooka being shot at the bike, I, I, I do have the mm -hmm. note here. Brick, Brick Bazooka no longer has a dick. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they're all just Ken dolls down there anyway. So. Yeah, that's true. But. At least what, had... what did they want to do with those Wendy's that they saw? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, right. And why did they program them with horniness? Because <laughs> they got to be proper soldiers. Part of, the, part of being a soldier is rape and pillage, I guess. So. Yeah. <laughs> can't leave. You got to leave in the bad with the good. If you have... well, or the I insane. Love how in, I love how in that, that scene, it's all of the like, it's not Major Chip Hazard. Major Chip is always the straight man. He's always like, no, we got a, a mind yeah. is a terrible thing to waste. We got well, Ironically, he's the not straight man in this scene. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> he's right, right. <laughs> <laughs> he's the asexual man. But it's all the other ones who are like the, Rawr. I don't know, the rowdy side of the, uh, <laughs> 
of the military, let's just say. <laughs> yeah. Do you, is it, have you seen the David Mitchell bit on rape and pillage? Mm, yep. Yeah. Uh, do you know, David Mitchell was a British comedian who did a bunch of YouTube, um, like, basically rants. And one of them was about, like, how insane it is that it's it's perfectly fine to talk about rape and pillage. That's, like, just charming, quaint, historical Viking stuff. But it's got the word rape right in there. And pillage isn't that good either. <laughs> <laughs> But because it's a long time ago, everyone just sort of says it like it's all fine and dandy. Yeah, I'm just thinking of the old George Carlin bit where he's like, what if we just took movie dialogue and replaced the line kill with fuck, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to fuck him. I'm going to fuck him real (laughs) slow. (laughs) Credit your comedians as you steal their bits, right? Considering you saw this like for the first time now, how right. did the effects hold up? Um, well, again, it, 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 the one of the reasons Toy Story hasn't dated so badly is because it was CG animating like gloop, right? Like, yeah, plastic, which w- this one does as well. Like they're not supposed to look that good. Apparently, the original goal here was to do a lot more puppetry, and it just didn't work out. So I think there's still a fair bit in there. There is, but um, I, I was looking at the wiki where the director was saying, like, I was thinking it's going to be like 75% puppetry and 25% CG, and it turned out like the other way. Okay. So um, th- it didn't bother me. Uh, again, that, that, was, that was the early conceit of CG. If you did toys, as long as you weren't trying to do actual people, you were probably fine. Yeah. Well, yeah, for the longest time, CG was, was pretty good at doing toys robots spaceships they just couldn't do anything biological right so even this... now i don't think we can do people still if like when you're in a marvel film and there's like one of the human characters is briefly replaced with the cg version you're like uh they just turned into a playstation character for a second oh you mean like within live action okay yeah because yeah, I, yeah. I was like right, oh, i don't right. mean pixar has reasonably okay no yeah, yeah but i mean to make film. it look real right yeah, right. yeah, yeah, to make it photo real. And we all know it happened when, with the Final Fantasy movie. Yeah. <laughs> Matrix Reloaded, for that matter. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the, also Joe Dante. Um, I mean, we just did Twilight Zone. I noted how cool if the effects were there. You know, it's the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, different people are like hands on the effects, but same director. So, yeah, yeah. He's, he's got a good eye for mixing actors with a bunch of wacky stuff going on. And I think one thing that makes it work really well is he's not afraid to actually like cut and stab people in his films. <laughs> like, yeah, for a, ostensibly a kid's film, Alan's getting like sliced and stabbed yeah. and shit all gets, the way through. He it. gets shot by so many projectiles. He gets hit by that circular saw in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> and then his dad comes down. And he's like, what are you doing, Alan? Oh, I don't know. I, I, guess, I don't know. <laughs> what you do to your hand? Uh, uh, I've been a derpy teenager. <laughs> I fell down Great the stairs. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I always hate this kind of scene in films because I'm, I guess I, I just feel it too much. But the whole like, oh, he's going to get in trouble shit. Yeah. And then, like, this is a really bad example for like, 
you just sat down and explained everything properly, you could solve all your problems so quickly. <laughs> he never does. Why did there, he not? There is... Why in the first place did he try and hide the fact that they'd stolen stuff? You didn't have to tell him it was the toys. Just tell his dad they got robbed. <laughs> or maybe, maybe that's what he was in trouble for the first time was trying to... People keep saying that he wants to commit insurance fraud. So yeah, <laughs> maybe he's already tried it and that's why his dad wouldn't believe him. Yeah, remember, this kid is clearly a delinquent. He's like <laughs> the lamest delinquent I've ever seen. Yeah. Yep. Well, the real delinquents <laughs> seem lame, right? <laughs> yes. You don't get Johnny Cool Kid that way. No. I do like um, her, like, quote unquote, cool boyfriend, just immediately gives up as soon as the toys attack him and we never see him again. <laughs> he just had his bike, that's all. Yeah. Bike that guy. Was his that, was, that was his whole character, bike guy, yes. <laughs> well, and apparently, like, my older guy trying to bang a high schooler. That too. Yeah. Yeah, my yeah. Uh, my my favorite line of his is when um, Alan and I can't remember her name, but Kirsten Dunst's character outside the school and bike guy turns Christy. up for the first time, and uh, he's like, "Hey, aren't you that kid who burnt down your previous school?" And Alan goes, "Yeah, I I just wanted to see it burn." And then the bike guy just goes, "Yeah, whatever." And I'm like, "Why? Why? You brought it up? I feel like this. I feel like this is." A, you brought it up, and B, I feel like Bike Guy. This is what you would bond with yeah. Steve Allen over. <laughs> he just goes, now, nah, whatever. Uh, and then, yeah, of course, later on, we just see him. And to be fair, it's probably one of the more human reactions to that scene, because where you've got all these horribly deformed Gwendy dolls that have <laughs> fully, you know, tied up your girlfriend in a room, right? And he's all like, what? <laughs> I'm like, to be fair, his reaction's pretty legit. I understand that if my toys were actually alive and doing this shit, I'd be fucking freaking out. Yeah, but, he, 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 but he yeah I know. He doesn't come back. I thought he'd at least show up again a bit later, but he doesn't come back at all. He has one yeah, encounter went, with them and just nopes out yeah. there. The whole thing. Yeah, he just kind of goes, whatever. Now nah, I'm not going to call for help. Uh, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm ghosting this chick. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I won't wish that your toys ever turn on you. But uh, what I do want to happen is that picture of Bob Ross behind you to start like floating through the air <laughs> and talking to you. That's what I'm going to wish. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind that. As long as it's like in character, as long as it's in character as Bob Ross and not just some right. horrible manifestation that has Bob's voice but not his soul. What if it's got Bob's voice but a demon? Uh, excuse me, Bob's soul but a demon voice? That'd be kind of cool. Let's I'm smelling a, a little tree. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> needs a friend. I'm sensing that we're deviating a little bit farther away from small soldiers and veering towards rebooting Buffy <laughs> with some strange oh, cosmic um, encounter. With the ghost Sarah of Sarah Michelle Gellar was one of the Gwendy voices. She was one of the Gwendy dolls, yeah. <laughs> and so was Christina Ricci, who I wouldn't have thought was even old enough to be in this film. Well, she had done uh, the Adams Family movies a few years prior. Yeah, I guess she was born in 1980, so she would have been like 16, 17 when they were making this. Right. Adam's Family Values, very good movie. Recommended. I always just think of her as Speed Racer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, she, she didn't play Speed Racer in that movie. No. <laughs> I know. 
Don't fucking talk to me about Speed Racer, man. <laughs> but, but you said you wanted to talk about Speed Racer at some point. Yeah, I know. I'm waiting to get BitSocket on for that. <laughs> okay. Um, do we do the how is this movie holding up? Uh, I, I clearly thought it was a video game that I thought was a movie for 20 plus years. So, but I mean, again, it wasn't it wasn't marketed to me in the first place. I'm trying to think of what I'd be seeing at this point in time. I guess animation wise, I I, I remember seeing Prince of Egypt because the film projector broke down during the ending credits, and they gave everyone a refund anyway. I was like, that's a score. <laughs> it's like, oh, I didn't hear the hit song. I hate. Okay, that's fine. So <laughs> we. See, and I called it animated again. Oh, sorry, I, I, I heard you say I gave it a free refund, so I was thinking you worked at the theater, but now you just oh, got no, it. no, 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 right? Okay, no, I mean, it's not really an animated film, you have to rank it among like live action stuff, yeah. That's why I kind of had to like take a step back and re re uh, yeah, what I, I was saying. I mean, you're the only one who can really judge how this film holds up because it's so wrapped in nostalgia for me and Mus. I'm thinking of how, what my reaction would have been if I did see this in 98. I think I think we would have I think we would have put it so in the ballpark of uh, like that second mummy movie or something. Okay. Where it's kind of like fast and loud and ultimately doesn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> and, and I'm not even saying that's completely true. I'm just saying that's how we would have watched it at the time. Right, when you were 18. Would yeah. you if you'd got into it as like I'm a big Joe Dante fan. I liked the Gremlins movies. Would you have been disappointed? Um, probably because I would have been like, oh, it wasn't as hardcore as Gremlins. Right. And um, actually, I guess, yeah, it's weird because I, mean, I feel like Joe Dante actually would have. I guess I just didn't notice he had made it at the time. So yeah. mm. <laughs> it's not like his name's all over. I don't think they advertised it as like from the visionary director of Gremlins. Right. It's right. Just like, look at these cool characters, kids. You like this shit. Yeah, because we like Gremlins. We were pretty uh, burbs obsessed, as I said. He's made a few others that I should be noting and just like not thinking of at the moment. But uh, mm. yeah, so I I don't think it would have really been much of a hit for me when I in 1998. So I think it's oddly nostalgic to watch now because I feel like the age of when like it used to be every Christmas there's the toy. And it's like we had the same conversation with um, Jingle, Jingle All the Way. All the way. Right. And, right. Same Jingle All the Way, Toy Story, and this. The big action figure the kids will want is way bigger than any action figure any kid I knew had. No that's one in a... the 90s was buying 12 inch action figures. It was all six inch and nine inch. But yeah, that's real toy geek shit. <laughs> well, that's also doesn't, you know, they want to look good on screen, right? So... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. If they were like actual, like little six inch Kenner figure sized. <laughs> Soldiers trying to attack everyone. It wouldn't have worked as well. Although, again, that is what I was thinking when mm. uh, Look, you were thinking the actual army men, and they're really small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like a lot of the film's messages hold up as well, if not better, than they did at the time. It's just that the idea of toys is just less of a thing in culture these days because plastic is too expensive because there's no oil left, and all the kids are playing on their damn iPads. So. <laughs> Damn my pets. Yeah, I was gonna say, I mean, you know, watching this movie a couple nights ago it didn't make me want to like punch myself in the face or anything. Mm. I was waiting to see if someone tried it. 
Punch like you're them. far away from me, otherwise I would have punched you. <laughs> punch you in the face. No, you want us to punch ourselves in the face, I see. That, yeah, I oh, just right. wanted to see if someone did do that for a joke, but no one. Yeah, no I could fucking no take me to. anytime. <laughs> <laughs> While fighting a cat. <laughs> I could take on myself and the cat at the same time. <laughs> Hit myself with the cat. Oh, the two birds with one cat. There you go. <laughs> But uh, so, yeah, on the hold up scale, I guess for me, it, it is more in the uh, the curiosity ballpark. Right. Mm. Like, I'm curious. Cause, yeah, this is a bit like definitely probably for a got it for, for eight to 12 year old boy. This probably hits the spot, especially in the 90s. I get that, you know, um, but, you know, I, I guess a good equivalent would be Goonies. Where you okay, watch yeah. Goonies now and it's not really that great a movie, but, you know. Yeah, uh-uh. well, I had I had with Goonies what you probably had with this because I didn't see Goonies till I was an adult, right? And I was like, I was kind of boring, and kind of the same wheelhouse because um, that's is it? Did Don actually direct that? Anyway, it's in the Amblin Spielberg thing, and Joe Dante is kind of a Spielberg protege, so yeah. And, I oh, yeah, and Donner and Donner did the last part of Twilight Zone. Yeah, okay, it's it's all cinematic incest. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think Soul Soldiers as like a cohesive whole, it's not really a cohesive whole. It's all over the place, right? It's it's unfocused at times. Uh, the script oscillates from being quite amusing to very <laughs> bland and almost pointless into from scene to scene. But it's it's just got like there's a it's got a lot of fun stuff in there, and I think it's like it's like Luke says. For me, it's difficult to come anywhere close to objectively <laughs> reviewing or thinking about whether or not this film holds up because it is so wrapped up in the nostalgia. But I did watch this with my uh, with my partner before uh, the, the podcast and she enjoyed it, although maybe that was influenced by me enjoying it <laughs> a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's enough in the film for anyone to kind of go, it's not bad, but I would understand if people would go, you know, it's all right, I guess. Yeah, I'm just um, looking at now how it did at the time. And the reviews were like, yeah, it's all right. And then the box office was like, yeah, it made a profit, but it didn't like set the world on fire. And yeah. I guess that is about where it feels like it should be. I guess you know, Gregory Smith as as Alan is probably the, the, the weak link here. Mm. I mean, again, it's, it's he's just there. Like, this is 98. It wouldn't even be ripping off Transformers. If, uh, imagine this movie with uh, LaBeouf in the role. Then it yeah. probably would have caught a lot more fire. <laughs> yeah, I guess a slightly more charming lead would have helped because the film takes a little while to build to all the soldier stuff. Mm-hmm. So the stuff where you're kind of meant to be hanging the film on him is a bit limp. Yeah, so I I, I think maybe but they just they, they didn't hang their hat in the right place, you know? I think it does a good job, though, of the first few times you see the figures, it's definitely animatronic and they're moving quite believably. And it really slowly builds to them doing whack, like insane stuff. Um, so like that's, I think that's pure Joe Dante. Like he's good at making you believe it by building up to it slowly. Yeah. Again, well, I wonder if it was made today by like Michael Bay, you'd have had an opening scene where like Chip Hazard kills 30 guys. <laughs> See, that's, that's such an interesting contrast with what Alan actually does right in the conclusion of the film like we know that alan 
is he's he's down with the Gorgonites. He understands the situation in a way that the adults don't until mm. their house is literally under siege by an army of commandos. <laughs> but the you know the climax of the conflict is Alan climbing up a telegraph pole, uh, getting stabbed in the hand a few times by Mage Chip Hazard before picking him up and shoving him into an incredibly dangerous life electrical circuit. <laughs> and there's this scene before that where Alan, and it's the most cliched scene you'd ever have where Alan talks to his dad and he's like, do they just spout off all of these classic mm. movie terms like, yeah, but I, I've got to go in there. No, I, I have to do this, says Alan, the child. <laughs> no, I, I have to be the I one like... who climbs the telegraph pole. Dad, none of them I have suggest, to do this. oh, what if one of the adults just did this instead? Yeah, none of them do that. None of them do that. So it's like this. Because <laughs> his dad a... does get a leg injury, but after he's already let Alan do it. Because, yeah, it would have made more sense. So it's like, oh, I can't do it because I've been shot in the leg six times. <laughs> Yeah, right. So there's A, that juxtaposition between them gradually building this idea as the commandos and the Gorgonites become more and more sophisticated and boiled more and more wacky shit throughout the mm. entire course of the film. And then just the kid being like, we talked a little bit about war being infantilized and commodified. But Alan's just out there <laughs> yeah. doing stuff because he's got the kid plot armor, which obviously, yeah, but also... Mm. Well <laughs> right. Sometimes in a Joe Dante film, that doesn't mean much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would have been great if he just actually murderized the boyfriend <laughs> like at the end of the second act, just so you thought no one was safe. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, he might have done that 10 years earlier. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I guess. Just... But yeah, like we're talking about Alan being a bit weak. That final moment of the film is like, Stupid toy! I put him in the thing. <laughs> yeah, that's what the a worst crap line. line and a terrible delivery. <laughs> so I'm just like, just reinsert, you know, 15 year old Labouf in all of these, and then you'd have yeah. like the manic actor, you know, building up with the. Well, manic and yeah, events. and when you've got the scene where his dad's like, "Are you on drugs?" <laughs> with Labouf, that would have been a legit question because he'd have been acting batshit insane in that scene. <laughs> but he'd then, have been yeah, tweaking. <laughs> There's the other. There's at some point in the film where Alan's dad just goes because he t he tells him, "Oh, this the toys did it," and his dad goes, "Are you trying to upset me?" And it's like <laughs> it just doesn't sound that believable coming from such a dweeb. But if it was Shia LaBeouf, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess I guess that's that's my well, um end review. Should should have had him. <laughs> even if they just got um John Connor in, right? Edward Furlong. Edward Furlong. Yeah, he's got a bit more of like something's not quite right about this kid about him than Alan did. Yeah, but I think maybe that's one of the reasons you like this movie is it does have a similar weird, you know, manic build up to Transformers. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that that's where it's I kind of feel like this movie was done kind of better with that first Transformers. <laughs> and it even has the same thing of like you only really see one of the good guys until right at the end. You best just have Bumblebee and then at the end or the other Autobots show up. Yeah, exactly. A lot of it has... I mean, the goodness, a lot, a lot of this film feels like a dry run for Transformers, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> so since I saw Transformers like almost 20 years before seeing this, it's kind of like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, again, I, I wasn't like, ah, screw this movie or anything. And, you know, I was like, the, the Joe Dante thing definitely got my eyes on it a little more closely than it would have otherwise. So, but uh, yeah, I, I'm, but yeah, I'm going to say the fatal flaw is lead actor. So 
I don't know. Maybe maybe Rookie Blue is a fantastic show. I don't even know what that is, but that's what the guy's doing now. So. <laughs> Shout okay. outs to Gregory Smith. Right. Who we just lambasted for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Sauce so Greg. <laughs> we lambasted him when he was 15. I'm yeah. sure he's better now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and again, it's well, not like he was unlikable. He was just kind of there. <laughs> yeah, he just wasn't a action hero leading man and how many 15 year olds are <laughs> <laughs> i mean i was when i was playing detective inspector gregory zulu another gregory okay <laughs> the fucking cop videos that we were making with me and Mars were 15 <laughs> <laughs> did you erase them i think so oh that's too bad okay <laughs> i think i said the line Chief, you could shove it up your big fat white ass. <laughs> and I didn't feel oh, that that God. was okay for me to say anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any final thoughts on the small soldiers before? I hope we don't hit an iceberg. Oh, I hope we don't hit an iceberg. What, what a great way to end a film. <laughs> Just completely. There was about a three-year period where I would see Muscle almost every day, and he would say that line at least once. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. So true. I tell you what. Have a round, 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 of... round, round of applause for Archer Emissary of the Goblins. That was another popular <laughs> one. Yep. <laughs> Just that entire scene where they sail off towards parts unknown, towards mm-hmm. Gorgon. <laughs> Just quote each other endlessly. But uh, a little bit before that, when the globotech ceo lands right and they mm. start assessing the damage and he starts just paying off everybody and mm. everyone's like oh, oh this horrible emotional damage oh actually no it's fine yeah it's fine and he, he, he says everything. to he solves everything with uh, with money as all problems can be solved with uh <laughs> and he, and and the uh the guy who designed the commandos he has a he has a word with him it's like how much how much are we charging for these and they're like 79 uh 99 or something like that and he's like Let's add a few zeros to those and start selling them to rebels in South America. Like, just sell the commandos. Well, I, I think he was. Actual... I don't think he was talking about selling them to the rebels. He says, "Let's add a few zeros." I know some right. rebels who will find them very entertaining. I think he's talking uh-huh. about sending them over to South America to kill rebels. Yeah, <laughs> well, one way or the other. But definitely, he's talking about selling them as soldiers. Well, the 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 proper unscrupulous businessman sells them to both sides. Yeah, <laughs> well, he'll sell the soldiers to the U.S. military and sell the Gorgonites to the South American. <laughs> but yeah, if they were really going to make a small soldier sequel, it would just be like the world is now actually overrun by robot soldiers. Now, Arch, Archer has to be like hunt them down. <laughs> now you're just getting this Terminator salvation. So, oh uh, yeah, true. That- <laughs> which is the best one how old was christian bale in 1998 because he would have been a manic <laughs> allen you'd have believed he burnt down his school <laughs> <laughs> well he would have been this is about a couple years for american psycho right so oh, yeah he's definitely too old <laughs> yeah i know he would have been a little old 80s jason bateman right okay yeah <laughs> that that's the problem there's so many 80s actors where this would have been perfect with yeah, 90s was just a dry period for child actors. Yeah, it's, it's uh, this guy and Jake Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yes, okay. I don't know, do do things, I guess. 
right, um, Maz, do you want anyone to find you on the internet? I don't mind. You're, you're, I'm, you know I'm no good at plugging myself, if that's what we're, <laughs> that's what we're doing here. All right, well, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, you can find it on Twitter at MLSFSpod. We're also on Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, just search Matt and Luke Sci-Fi Sanctuary. If you want to hear more podcasts from me and Matt, you can go to patreon.com slash podcastiopodcastius. From there, you can find links to our other podcasts, like Matt's Twilight Zone podcast. Um, you can find Matt's Weird Documentaries podcast. You can find my Pokemon podcast. And you can find my Monster Hunter podcast, which also features Mus. Um, Mus also streams on Twitch at MusFX. Wait, is it MusFX or Starmus? No, it's uh, Starmus. At Starmus on Twitch. There you go. Very um, good. Well done. <laughs> yeah. And um, also, you can just shove an action figure up your ass. I don't care. Wait, what? <laughs> I assume that was your finishing line. <laughs> I just, I just I trying you were to gonna... think of things to tell our fans to do, and I ran out, so... So you were going to use one of your wacky small soldiers quotes and you just said, no, shove an what? action figure up your ass." <laughs> I was originally going to end with, I hope we don't hit an iceberg, but I already said it. Oh, uh, blown it, mate. I hope you don't <laughs> shove an iceberg up your ass. <laughs> Do you see that new story about the guy who fucked a snowman? His <laughs> <laughs> dick fell off. <laughs> Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie.